It's that time of year, folks, where you get together with family and stuff your face for the Voldemort of Holidays, that one that has dark undertones and shall not be named. We're going to be talking about films taking place in American history on episode 60 of the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. And Brandon, we have some really exciting news. We do. Uh, in honor of our 60th episode and coming up on the end of 2018 with the holiday season, we're doing a contest for our listeners. Ooh, it's yeah, the holiday that is season. Right. Time to be giving, right? Exactly. So for all of our loyal listeners, you have a chance to win. We are giving away a $20 Amazon gift card and a $30 Amazon gift card. Wow, Brandon, that's a lot of money. It How is. How they win almost $50 in Amazon goodies? Exactly. How could you win upwards of $50 to the wonderful site known as Amazon? Well... If you want to be entered into the raffle for the $20 Amazon gift card, you have to post on Facebook and Twitter tagging Entertainment Buffet, uh, giving a shout-out to our podcast and how much you enjoy listening to it. Uh, be sure to tag Entertainment Buffet on Facebook or uh, our Twitter handle, at Entertain Buffet. Um, and yeah, if you do that, your name will be entered in the raffle at a chance of winning the $20 Amazon gift card. And how can you possibly win the $30 one? Well, if you go on iTunes and leave a review and give us five stars, there's no limit on the review. It could be small, it can be large, or you could say whatever you want. But if you leave that five-star rating and some sort of review, your name will be entered in a chance to win a $30 Amazon gift card. And yes, you can be eligible for both. So go ahead and do both, everyone. $50 to Amazon. I mean, hell, you can take that and use it to spend money on someone else's gift for the holidays if you really wanted to be unself un unselfish with it. Or you can be selfish and buy yourself an awesome gift for the easiest version of hustling for $50. All you have to do is hop on social media. Let's be real. You're on it right now. So make 20 bucks off being there or hop on iTunes, which is how you're listening to this. So you're already on it and make 30 bucks just leaving a review. Exactly. So the deadline is by December 20th, December 20th, guys. If you get those in, you will be in the raffle for a chance to win those. Now, I know there are some people who have been awesome over the last couple of years and have already left us a review on iTunes. Your name will be entered into the raffle as well because you are already awesome. But feel free, if you left that review and rating, also give us a shout out on social media. You could be entered in that one too. So, uh, like we said, chance for not 20, not 30, but all $50 if you do both. So, um, yeah, anything else we want to say about the, the contest, Jess? Um, just do it. Money's cool. <laughs> Free money is great. And how easy is it to like, just like retweet us and you get 20 bucks? That's 
the easiest way you could ever make money. Exactly. But uh, Jess, what are we talking about on this episode of the podcast? So on episode 60, we are talking about American history movies in honor of Thanksgiving. So as you know, Thanksgiving is upon us. And while we'll be... That's the holiday that shall not be named. No, the context around the holiday shall not be named, but we just pretend like it didn't happen and we watch football and eat food. But we just like don't talk about what why we're celebrating. Like don't oh, talk right. about the start of it. That's right. what we don't talk about. We don't talk about that. Gotcha. But anyways. So we can say Thanksgiving and Voldemort in the same sentence. Yes, you can say that, but you just can't say like slaughter or smallpox, you know, those gotcha. kinds of things. But we can say like we sat down with the Native Americans and ate meal, and we just don't talk about anything that happened before or after that. That's what we don't talk about. Yes. And just in case anyone's worried, we're totally kidding here. We're not trivializing the awful things that happened, but... Oh, no, it's real yeah. bad. It's real bad. Um, real bad. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, two white people break down Thanksgiving and the injustices of the holidays. Sorry. But, um, hey, you know what? I love stuffing. I do. And I I make a mean green bean casserole every year that I always just stuff into my face. So, you know, as dark and, you know, as intense as the holidays history is, I like the food. Sorry. Um, But anyway, like, while we're stuffing our face with food and hopefully having some decent family conversations... It's also a day that we have to remember our country's history, both good and bad. And I don't know about you, but I find American history to be, like, super fascinating and interesting. Um, You know, in the grand scheme of things, our country's actually really young. It's not that old. Very. (laughs) Very young. Um, And I think that's kind of what makes our country's history so fascinating, is that America's only 525 years old. And think about all of the things that have happened in those 525 years, all the cultural and societal changes it's experienced. It's a lot, and it's all condensed, and I think that's what kind of makes it interesting. But anyway, I had this really awesome history teacher in high school, and he was super dope, not only because he was like a really good teacher, but because with every major history lesson we had, he would incorporate a movie. And that movie that we watched in class would take place in that particular time. And of course, like movies can't be completely accurate to the facts and the stories of like what actually happened, but they are able to translate the look and the feel and capture that particular time. And I think this is like one of the many ways that movies teach us things, which is really cool. And so, Because of this past uh, election day that happened just a couple weeks ago and upcoming Thanksgiving, I've been thinking a lot about movies that feature American history and movies that have taught me something about the past. And so in honor of this uh, complex, we'll call it complex holiday, um, (laughs) Brandon and I are going to be talking about movies that capture the complexity of our history. And um, I don't know. I hope you guys find it fascinating. I think... Like I said, that's one of the reasons, like, I think movies are so great is because they can transport us to a time and show us, like, okay, well, like, you can't actually be there and it probably didn't exactly go down like this, but, like, you can get an idea of what life was like back then. And 
there you go. So, we're going to be talking about American history movies. Jess, did I ever tell you what career path I almost went down if I didn't go into film and TV stuff? Were you going to be an American history teacher? I had a brief period from, like, 7th or 8th grade or so till like, freshman, sophomore year where... I had no idea what I possibly wanted to do when I was older, but I really enjoyed American history class, and I had some great American history teachers like Mr. Kimball and uh, some others, uh, get some shout-outs, uh, even uh, Coach slash Mr. Herrera was great, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was like, my mom's like, you'd be a great teacher, you're fun, and you could be like the fun teacher, and I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, and I always got pretty good grades in those classes. So, yeah, if things turned out differently, I could have been an American history teacher. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Prozac. <laughs> you could have been, like, a Riverdale teacher. Oh, no. So you don't sleep with your students. Like, you know. God. Anyway. I can't stand Archie on that show. Oh, God. Oh, what a show. Yeah, you need to keep... Well, no, you, I was going to say you need to keep going with it, but you really... You don't. I'm... Don't get... <laughs> I'm deep into the rabbit hole. You don't have to go there with me. Like, it's fine. But speaking of Maybe Riverdale, <laughs> um, what are things you've been watching? Because I'm still definitely watching Riverdale. <laughs> what have I been watching? Well, um, in the movies department... Um, there hasn't been much. Uh, one that I just get a quick shout out. My friend Bonnie and I have been exchanging, showing each other movies uh, that like the other hasn't seen, and she showed me this uh, just fun little crime film from the '90s called Sneakers. Um, it's about a bunch of uh, criminals, uh, starring Robert Redford and. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and Ben Kingsley as this weird villain. It was one of River Phoenix's last films. <laughs> wow, this cast is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, and also Sidney Poitier. Yeah, this cast is crazy. Um, it's just a silly little crime film uh, from the 90s. It's very goofy. It's very fun. Um, it's not like a classic or anything, but I, I enjoyed seeing it. And it's one of those, if I saw it in like a three to $5 bin, I'd probably pick it up just cause yeah, the it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I saw that. Um, and then the other movie I had recently saw, so Raging Bull by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. This movie, it's always on like the top 100, top 50, like whatever lists of greatest films of all time, right Jess? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so unpopular opinion, I think it's overrated. So yeah, I it's <laughs> it does not age well. No, <laughs> it not certainly at doesn't. all. No. <laughs> and yeah, especially recently watching it for the first time in 2018, I have I think that the direction is great. I think the performances for what they're going for is great. Um, the cinematography, some of the editing, it's all great. But as far as, like, the characters and some of the story go, oof. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie doesn't hold up well in a post-Me Too era. And especially, <laughs> like, I just think of, like, Robert De Niro's known for, like, the improv and, like, Taxi Driver's like, you're talking to me? But instead of this film, it's like, you fuck my wife? <laughs> you fuck my wife? Like, like, like I want to count on how often he's like, you fuck my wife, you sleep with my wife, you know, is said in this film. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so 
Raging Bull, I see a lot of the technical reasons and the performance reasons why the movie is regarded as it is. I'm not going to take that away. But as far as, like we said, dating it to nowadays with the violence towards women and the just overall shittiness of Robert De Niro's character, it really is a big downfall. So I'm going to say that like Raging Bull may be slightly overrated due to, yeah, does not age well. But, so yeah, that's what I watched in the movie department. Uh, as far as the TV department um, on HBO, documentary The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. Um, I've been thinking about it, checking that out. Is it good? Oh, it's great. And I know that it's going to be a struggle for a lot of people to realize this, but there's two parts, and each part's like two, two and a half hours, so it's like four or so pushing five hours. Like, it's long. But it's so good. There's so much. I had no idea about Gary Shandling. And, like, I mean, it's Judd Apatow making it, so it's, like, he always makes stuff long. But also, he was very, very close mentor slash, like, best friend relationship with Gary Shandling. And Gary Shandling diaried for, like, his whole life. So, like, there's a lot that they go through, the lot that they talk about, like, the revolutionary stuff he did in his career. Even little things, I'll just shout out the fact that uh, sure, the Larry Sanders show is great, and I still need to watch more of it. A lot of people think that that's great on its own. But he also did the It's Gary Shandling show, which was one of the first shows that his character and a lot of the characters break the fourth wall. Um, it was a sitcom, and yeah, it looked hilarious. I may want to watch some of that too. Um, and just one of my favorite little jokes that he says is because like, Gary Shandling went his whole life never being married. He, I think he was like engaged once. But uh, he has this one joke towards the end of the doc uh, during his stand-up where he's just like, yeah, I've been single my whole life, and eHarmony matched me up with a gun. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, that's dark. <laughs> yes. But funny, it's hilarious. Very funny, very dark. <laughs> it's very fascinating. And just to see, he touched so many other comedians that I had no idea that they even knew each other from Jim Carrey to even actors like David Duchovny to uh, uh, Sasha Barry Cohen and Sarah Silverman. And like he tried to pay it forward with all these people. And it's it's an incredible documentary and everyone should check it out. And lastly, um, for TV, I finished Daredevil Season 3. Cool, I haven't watched any more since our viewing homework episode. I will. I was afraid you'd say that. I know. <laughs> I will so say that. So many things came out, and I've been distracted. <laughs> it's not bad. It's good. <laughs> yeah, Daredevil Season 3 was incredible. The acting, cinematography. There's a one-shot fight sequence that's like 12 so minutes long, and it is outstanding. So that is what I've been watching lately. Jess... What have you been watching movie and TV-wise lately? So I actually haven't been watching a lot of movies recently. It's been mostly TV. Um, so two new shows I checked out. Uh, one is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It's on Netflix. I loved it. I watched the whole first season in like a few days. Um, it's so great. It's, it's like this really quirky cross between Riverdale and a 90s Tim Burton movie. When Tim oh Burton boy. was, like, good, you know? Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah. You know. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's like an Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> like, Nightmare Before Christmas-esque Tim Burton, good Tim Burton, um, put in a, like, R-rated horror movie. It is nothing like the Sabrina TV show we know with Melissa Joan Hart. 
there are demons and orgies and sacrifice. It is wild. Um, but I love witch content so Can much. Can I just say, I love that, Jess, you said the sentence, there's demons and orgies. There are <laughs> demons and orgies. And, like, it's what? Like, there is no... Like, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I loved it as a kid. I loved it. And it was just, like, so, like, happy. And, like, oh, my God, she's, like, going to, like, zap an orange and make it, like, a car. <laughs> like, this is not that at all. Like, this is dark um, in a great way. So if you like horror and camp and witches, watch it. And especially if you like Riverdale, watch it. Um the second new show I've been watching, I don't love nearly as much, if at all. Um, I checked out Manifest, which is one of NBC's new shows for the fall season. Um, have you heard of Manifest, Brandon? I have not. <sighs> okay, so it's uh, it's <laughs> all right. It's all right. That side. <laughs> well, I think that, okay, so the issue with Manifest, just real quick, is that the initial concept is awesome. It is so interesting. So Manifest is about this plane that was flying from, like, I think, like, Hawaii to New York. And on the plane ride, they experience, like, five seconds of turbulence, like, kind of, like, normal, like, plane situation. But when they land, everyone in the plane has been missing for five years. And they don't know, it's because it's like, it's kind of based on that weird Malaysian flight that like just went missing. So the whole concept of the show is like, what if that plane just like came back? So. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like an interesting idea. It's very sci-fi, very like lost. What is on this you said? It's on NBC. NBC. Interesting. So, I... <laughs> you know, because it's not like a Dick Wolf show, it's probably not going to last that long. Um, but like. Chicago Manifest it's is what they Chicago plane ride. <laughs> <laughs> Ten season order, like right off the bat. The idea is amazing, and I think it could be really cool, but like the pieces there are not. So I don't know. I might like keep with it and check out another episode or two just because like the pilot, like the first 10 to 15 minutes are really interesting. And then after that, it's just very like, eh. Um... So we'll see. Um, I <laughs> am a really big South Park fan, and I've been watching the latest season of South Park. Um, it's really good. If you're a big South Park fan like me, it's very much like back to its original style, because the last couple seasons they were sort of experimenting with their writing style. Um, and it was still funny, but it just felt a little like different for the show. Um, but this time they are back, and they are also doing a lot of like calls to older episodes, which is really cool. So in this past season, um, Mr. Hanky the Christmas Poo and Man Bear Pig have come back for appearances, which is great. It's so good. South Park is amazing. I've seen literally every episode, and I watch it, like, every week. And I have been since I was, like, way too young to have been watching South Park. But my family let me watch really inappropriate things when I was younger, so what are you going to do? And then finally... Finally, American Horror Story Apocalypse is over. <laughs> Thank God. I I just, I couldn't stop myself. I was watching it and it needed to end for my sanity. Um, the season was really rough. I think it was a really, really bad one. Um, so this past season on American Horror Story was supposed to be a crossover between 
two of their biggest seasons to date, which is Murder House, the first season, and Coven, which is the third season. And wow, no, it was not a crossover in the way that I was expecting it to be. It really wasn't. It was kind of like 70% Coven, 10% Murder House, 10% Apocalypse, 10% Cocaine and Bull Cuts. And if you've watched the whole season, you know what I'm fucking talking about. Like, it got really bad really fast, and I'm really disappointed because... I don't know why I'm still watching it, <laughs> um, but That's I That's a good am. question. <laughs> you know, I was talking about this with my friend the other day, and I've discovered what is up. It's Ryan Murphy has, with it is consistent with almost every show he's ever done. His first two seasons are incredible and amazing and unique and groundbreaking in their own way, and then after that, the shows like rapidly go downhill. But you loved the first two seasons so much that you, like, hang on in the hopes that they will one day get better back to where they were. (laughs) But they never do. They never get better. They only get progressively worse. (laughs) But you still hang on. And so I am in his cult. I I am. I have drank Ryan Murphy's Kool-Aid. I cannot help it. (laughs) I am in it. It is really bad. It's really bad. So... It's over. American Horror Story is over. Thank God. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't help myself. But anyway, now that we've talked about American icon Ryan Murphy, I guess we can move on to American history movies. Yes, we can. So, Jess, would you like to kick us off? Sure. So, one of my favorite... American history movies of all time is All the President's Men. Um, So, just a little bit about All the President's Men. It was released in 1976, but it takes place in 1972, which I think kind of makes it interesting because, like, usually movies that capture American history, there's, like, a lot of time that passes in between them. Um, Mm -hmm. But for this one, it's only, like, four-year difference from, like, when it occurred to when the movie was made. Um, Yeah. So, All the President's Men is about Woodward and Bernstein um, as they worked for the Washington Post and were uncovering the Nixon-Watergate scandal in the 70s. Um, Woodward is played by Robert Redford and Bernstein is played by Dustin Hoffman. Um, And they're just, I mean, two acting legends. They're two major (laughs) icons, so watching them is incredible. Um, But I think what one thing I really, really, really like about All the President's Men is that, for me, I really like politics, and I'm very interested in American politics, but, like, even from that perspective, the Watergate scandal is, like, very convoluted, especially for those of us who didn't live through it. Um, Yeah. And it's kind of hard to, like, understand, like, what specifically happened. Like, of course, like, Nixon was a bad guy and he was, like, super corrupt and doing all sorts of corrupt stuff. But until I saw this movie, like, I didn't really understand, like, what he had done and, like, what the crimes specifically were and who was all involved. Um, So I think this movie, like, communicates it in a way that, like, makes sense because you get it through Woodward and Bernstein's perspective. And you get... piece by piece like they did so you get like 
the little breadcrumbs and so it's more digestible that way when it's like this piece of information and then this one and then this one as opposed to like one long you know article like you get to understand it slowly over the course of the movie um so that's why I really like it because I really did learn a lot about it aside from the fact that the acting's amazing and the story's really well written um it just makes the whole complex situation more digestible and makes you understand that like piece of American history even more um and I really do think not to get too political but I do think the movie also does a really amazing job of just highlighting like how important journalism actually is in our society and like how lucky we are that our democracy like has it and we get to use it to benefit like us as civilians and that journalists like actually do work for the people um so yeah all the president's men um i think it's very fascinating and if you like american history and politics and you have no idea what the hell the watergate scandal is this is the movie for you because it will definitely help you understand it definitely um it's funny, just you talked earlier about like history teachers showing us movies, even though like the movies may not necessarily be like super historically accurate, or they kind of are, but obviously dramatized for movie purposes. Um, I saw this movie in high school when we were learning about the 60s and the Watergate scandal, um, it, which it's funny. I'm going to give a shout out. This is not one of my picks for favorites, but shout out to Forrest Gump. Because I remember for the longest time, there's the scene where Forrest um, is looking across like the hotel for Watergate or whatever is like, and he sees like all the the infamous like the people in the flashlights like uh, looking for whatever, and <laughs> he just goes like, I see a bunch of people with flashlights. I think they're looking for a fuse box or something. <laughs> and like for the longest time, I had no idea what that joke meant when I was growing up. It wasn't until like high school, early high school, when we started learning about like the '60s and the civil rights and like that whole era that like Forrest Gump takes place, um, that what they were doing with the flashlights, what was actually happening. And like a lot of that, they go over in all the president's men. Um, and yeah, I remember like, this was something that, like you said, it, it, for the longest time, I was like, what, wait, so what happened with Watergate? Why is Nixon bad? Like, I know he's bad, but like, what did he do? And like, what exactly happened? Um, like what was the illegal portion? But yeah, this movie kind of goes over it. And I like the fact that, cause like, I like, mysteries and like detective type stories and even though like you said like this is journalism i like the fact that this is like a detective type story where uh it's almost like robert redford and dustin hoffman are like two cops on a case on that note i think that's what kind of makes this movie even more fascinating is that even though there are there are two journalists you're right they kind of act like two detectives because it just shows the level of corruption that this like scandal had that like detectives couldn't really do anything they had to like people had to outsource information to journalists and have them investigate because anyone else there would be met with yellow tape and like couldn't go any further so that's also like really interesting too i mean obviously like that's actually what happened but like the movie portrays these two guys more like detectives than journalists and i think just doing that sort of like subtle way of of depicting them like that like shows how intense this whole thing was. Yeah, and 
earlier, you know, I talked about how I saw a Raging Bull and it's considered one of the best movies of all time. Like, All the President's Men is usually in contention for, like, classic uh, film, not only for American film, but just, like, one of the best films. And, like, I totally see why, because, like, you go, you you may not know what they're talking about at first, but, like, once you kind of get hooked, like, you, you want to see what happens and where things go. Yeah, like, we were saying how Raging Bull doesn't age well. I think All the President's Men actually ages incredibly well, and, like, it's, it sounds like on paper, like, kind of a boring film, like, political scandal, journalist, blah, but, like, I think it's very fascinating and really informative, and I think... Uh, unfortunately, some of it is, can be relatable to, like, what goes on still in politics, and I think that's what makes it age like a fine wine, unlike Raging Bull. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing to keep in mind is that Bob Woodward is still consistently writing about politics, and he's still uncovering, like, issues that most of us don't know he has a book on the new york times bestseller right now fear so he's still going at it and bernstein is too these are two very regarded journalists and not only i think does it do the movie do a good job of like capturing the scandal and how intense it was at the time and what a game changer it was for america it also like highlights these two guys and why they are regarded in their field and why they're american heroes like like you said they were detectives essentially as like journalists as detectives and i think that shows why they are so good at their jobs and why these two should be regarded as like american icons definitely and Jess, I know you haven't seen this movie, but like for those who maybe haven't seen All the President's Men, but maybe they saw a movie that came out in the last couple of years, The Post. Um, these movies are very similar. That's actually about, I believe, the same newspaper, like The Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people saw that, like, kind of like the ending of The Post may have been almost like a setup for All the President's Men. Like, not that they're going to remake it, I don't think, but just like it's. You, you know, kind of like leads into each other. Um, so if you liked the post and haven't seen all the presidents, men, very similar feel where there's great acting and a lot of, uh, digging and like, uh, about like American controversy during the sixties. So yeah. Could you say Check the inverse you... is true too, that if you like all the presidents, men, you like the post. Cause I haven't seen the post yet. I think so. I mean, like there's certainly some things that like the post is a lot about, um, like Meryl Streep's character, like deciding whether or not to like print the things that they found out that they were given, but um, it's still the same kind of just like, oh my god, these secrets, oh my god, this, you know, can you believe this? Like the people need to know. So like, yeah, if you like, I believe if you like one, you're gonna like the other. Whether it's um, you've seen all the President's Men or you've seen the Post and you haven't seen the other, I think you can like both. So, Brandon, what is one of your favorite American history movies? So, this is a movie that, um, much like yours, is based on a true story. And um, like most of our picks, like it's about a certain time in American history, but it may not necessarily be 100% factual, obviously, dramatized for movie purposes. But mine is A League of Their Own. Aww, <laughs> I love this movie. I'm so glad this is one of your favorites. 
I love it too. Um, you know, it was one of my mom's favorites. And, you know, when I was little, I used to just enjoy it because it was baseball and I love baseball. But, like, as I got older, I realized how awesome it was because it had a great cast. It um, was very, like, female empowering um, because, for those who don't know the story of A League of the Round, this takes place during World War II, where, obviously, men are uh, cross-fighting, um, you know, in the battle uh, during World War II. And back at home was either people who couldn't fight um, um, men or just the women. And uh, so there was no sports because all the eligible athletes were off in war. And so they this group gets together and is like, well, we're going to have women's baseball to kind of, you know, uh, help with the country's morale, give them something for people to go and watch, and, you know, just kind of something to, to take their minds off the fact that, like, we're at war. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. It's got Gina Davis. It's got Tom Hanks. Uh, it's got Rosie O'Donnell. It's got Madonna. Um, it, it's got just a great cast, and um, something that you may not exactly follow in school like in school we, we try to cover a lot of the big events like wars or like super like groundbreaking things in technology or, or art or whatever and like sure like that's all important but um i think that this is a cool little thing that happened um i love the movie i think tom hanks is hilarious in it like his, his character is kind of like an ass in the beginning and um yeah, I, I think he's a great foil for all these strong um, female performances. And if for some reason you haven't seen it, it's uh, I think it holds up pretty well. It uh, came out in 90, 1992, uh, but it obviously takes place during World War II, so in the uh, like 30s, 40s. So, yeah, A League of Their Own. I, I think it's a nice little piece of something that you don't talk about enough in American history. You're so right. And, like, it was honestly, like, of course, obviously the war itself was a massive piece of history. And we do talk about that a lot. But one thing that's kind of forgotten about what a game changer that time was, was women's roles in it. Like, how I think this movie captures it really well women were very much sidelined until there were no men to be around. And so women had to fill the void of, like, not only sports, but, like, work in factories and work at jobs, like, jobs that typically went to men. And then when all the men came back, these women were expected to, like, okay, thank you for doing your thing. Now you can go back to ironing your clothes, little lady. Thank you. And yeah. it was a big breaking point in women's history because women's U.S. history at that point women were saying, wait a minute, like, I liked having that job, and I was doing both the homemaker part and the job part, so I can do that. And that's what led to, like, the women's movement that we know of now. And, like, I think that was really, in America, the beginning of women saying, wait a minute, I have value here that I can add to a lot of different components in the society. And I think the movie captures that really well, how women kind of had to fight and be like, I'm just as valuable and I'm going to show you that. I got to say too, I love this movie. I think it's such a, just a sweet, great movie. And you're right. Like, I don't know. We don't, we don't talk about it as much as we should. Cause I think it is like actually an American classic or should be regarded as one. But, um, one of my all time favorite movie lines 
is there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> I love that line. I was wondering if we'd bring it up. I love that line. I So my mom also really loves this movie, and she showed it to me when I was a kid. And yeah, yeah. there were a couple times growing up where I would just be like, you know, overly cranky or emotional, and she would just go, there is no crying in baseball, even when like we weren't <laughs> playing sports at all. And it just is like one of those... Like, even though the context of the moment in that movie might not, like, ring true to how we use it in my household, it's like, okay, there's no crying right now. Like, calm down, it's all good. Right now is not the time to cry. Like, I don't know. I love that line. I think that line has so many different meanings, and I just love it. Yeah. Well, and and uh, I uh, last thing I'll say on it, and, like, because so often war films are about, like, the battles and the soldiers and things like that. But, like, I think this is one of those films that I enjoy. It's like, well, what was happening at home while the men were out there fighting? Like, not just, like, with women in particular, but, like, what? what's a little piece of, like, what was happening at home during that time? Uh, which is something that I don't think they cover in a lot of films. Uh, so, yeah, that uh, League of the Round, I think it also just has a great blend of being funny, but also there's some great dramatic moments um, that really get... You know, they don't shy away from the fact that, like, war is happening and, like, some of the husbands of these women playing baseball may die uh, or get injured uh, before coming home. So, yeah, it's it's a great movie that I think it's the whole family can watch. And, yeah, it's it's a classic, and I proudly own it. <laughs> Aw, I love that. That's so sweet. I feel like, no offense, more straight men, like, need to get on top of this movie. It's really good. <laughs> So, that's that's one of my favorites. Jess, what is another one of your favorites? Another one of my favorites is also a war movie. However, it is not fun, sweet, and wholesome in any way. <laughs> it's pretty dark, pretty heavy, and it's not about the war you're talking about. It's about the Civil War. Um, one of my favorite American history movies is Glory. Um, it was released in 1989, but it takes place in 1860. So Glory follows the 54th Regiment of the Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry, and that was the first all-black volunteer company in the Civil War. One thing I, I really like about this movie is that it shows like the gruesomeness and complexity of the Civil War, but also very much highlights the race relations in America, especially at that time, and kind of how it's evolved to what it is now. Um, so the cast includes Matthew Broderick, Morgan Freeman, Carrie Elwes, who we would know from Princess Bride, um, and it's one of Denzel's Washington's very first roles. He actually won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think what makes this movie so interesting is I actually typically don't like war movies um, just because I think war movies kind of tend to follow the same tropes of like the battles and what the soldiers are going through and all that they it kind of from my perspective some war movies can kind of be carbon copies of other war movies that's just sort of how it feels but for this one it's just very different because it's a very different angle about a war that we all know about and it's actually portraying a, a group that is being looked down upon and enslaved and treated as less than human and what it's like for their psyche not only to go through that but also to go and fight for their own rights in a way where they're still not even regarded 
as heroes for doing so. Um, so yeah, I think another thing too that I really like about this movie is that even though it shows like the struggles of integrating, um, African Americans into this country and like actually creating a society together, it shows that like we all have that human link. All of our, all of us are linked by our humanity and who we are. And it shows that like we're really not all that different even though we might look different and act different and come from different walks of life, like, we are all sort of the same in that way. Um, and I just think it's it's just really well done. The acting is really amazing. The way it's shot is great. The way the story is developed is amazing. And it gives you a, a, an appreciation for not only the Union and their fight, but, like, this infantry specifically and, like, what they did and why they fought and I think that that's kind of for, it, for me what sets it apart from different war movies I would say this is probably my favorite war movie um just again because it feels so unique in its perspective and it actually like teaches you something like me as a little white girl from Indiana I had a lot to learn <laughs> you know and I think we all do we gotta all be like a little open to people's histories and our cultures and I think this is one that like really shows that I don't know um so yeah, if war movies aren't really your thing, I still suggest Glory because it's just so well done in so many different ways. Um, and I just, I think it's a great little piece of American history in a very like specific way. It's not just about the Civil War, it's about this very specific group of people and what they're going through in the midst of Civil War. Yes. And this was another one of those movies that I watched in history class when and when we talked about the Civil War. Same. Um, no, same. This was one that yeah. like my teacher showed me and I was like, Holy shit, this movie's um actually amazing. Like I think it was an, a great lesson, but also just a really, really good movie. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing, like, I don't know, like, and I know everyone's schooling is going to be different, but, like, I felt like at my schools, like, we talked a lot about, like, the Revolutionary War or, like, World War Two or, like, whatever, but, like, I feel like some wars were, like, not covered as thoroughly and, like, Civil War, like, I remember a lot of it, but also, um, like, I remember leading up to it, I was just like, man, I really want to, like... I feel like there's this huge chunk of history that, like, yeah, we know that, like, Lincoln was part of, like, freeing slaves and whatnot, and that, like, the North won and all that, but, like, there's a lot of stories we have no idea, and this is, like, one of those stories that gets to shed light on a different thing about the war. Um, but one thing you mentioned that this got Denzel a lot of attention, and... Um, got him his first award like do you think that anyone else in the film like some people say morgan freeman or uh like do you think other actors in this movie deserve deserve some award recognition um i would actually say no not compare <laughs> i'm just sorry sorry but just not good enough for me no i think um I mean, Morgan Freeman is great in it. I think everyone is really, really good in it. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily, like, a weak link. You know, how's like, some movies, there's, like, that one person who you're like, ooh, you should not have been in this movie. You are. Like, everyone is very well cast. Everyone is really, really good. But Denzel just takes it to, like, a whole nother level. Um, 
when I think about this movie, there's one scene that, like, really, really, really sticks out for me, and it is Denzel's monologue right before they're about to go off to battle, and it's just, I think that's just, like, what did it. I think that's, like, what got Denzel his career, and what got him the <laughs> award was this, it's, it's, like, this amazing monologue. So, no, I think, like, everyone is great. Morgan Freeman's great. Matthew Broderick's good. Like, everyone is good. But, like, there's just something about Denzel where he stands out, and that's why he won, and that's why he became Denzel. Like, um, he's just great. <laughs> he's so good in it. I like I Okay, so I also did some research on where you can find these movies. Turns out, like, sadly, a lot of these movies, like, my choices anyway, aren't streaming. But don't laugh. <laughs> This one is on Crackle, <laughs> and I know Crackle is not the premier choice for streaming, but it's free, so you can watch Glory for free right now on Crackle, and I say do it. Like, bite the bullet, put your ego aside, go on Crackle. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to go on Crackle. You know what? I'm going to go on Crackle for the first time probably ever and watch Glory. <laughs> I haven't been on Crackle since. That's used to be the only place you could find comedians and cars getting coffee. <laughs> oh, that was it. That's where it like started. That's where it used to be, and then Netflix bought it out. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> poor Crackle. They really lost a title with that one. <laughs> poor Crackle. <laughs> uh, Crackle is just a giant front for selling crack. No, um, it, Crackle. Speaking of like Thanksgiving, it's their money laundering scheme. It it's could, a streaming service, right? It's like Crackle is like that really awkward like relative who hasn't like done anything with their lives, but like you know what? They're still going. They're still waking up every day. Still putting it's their like, clothes on. Good for them. Like that's what the family member at Thanksgiving. It's like Crackle. It's like the people who use Internet Explorer or, like, Bing uh, for, like, Internet stuff, opposed to, like, the things they actually be using. Yeah. <laughs> crackle. But, you know what? Still going. Watch Glory on Crackle for free. And that's okay. it. Then dunk on Crackle again. Sorry, Crackle. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Crackle. <laughs> right. Uh, first sponsor. Um, after we shit on it. They're like, They're well, like, hey, we're someone's, out. someone's talking to us. Someone's talking about us. Like, yeah. We cool. heard you talking smackle about Crackle. We did but they're like just that. happy someone is talking about Crackle. <laughs> They'll take it. God. Oh, anyway, God. enough about cut, Crackle. Do not, cut, do not cut any of this. <laughs> no, we'll leave. We'll leave in the Crackle because there's a lot of. I'm sorry. There's a lot of humor. In Crackle, there is. Yes. Someone's going to be like, I won't pay for anything. Crackle is the best. And we're going to get dragged. Anyway. Uh, enough you about it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, watch it on Crackle. <laughs> Brandon, do you have any movies that are on Crackle? Or do you just want to talk about your next movie? <laughs> I, I cannot confirm nor deny if this is on Crackle or not. But one movie uh, I'm going to talk about war film uh, that is one of my choices is The Patriot. Oh, this is like the quintessential American history movie, I think. Yeah, this is a movie that like 
I know it's a little bit controversial because Mel Gibson is not everyone's favorite actor anymore. Yeah, he's an awful um, person. Let's just get right out and say that and move on. But like, let's just shove that aside and we're just talking about the movie, the movie itself. Yes, he's awful. This yes. is Roland Emmerich's only good movie besides maybe Independence Day. He's known for Wait maybe a such other. You didn't like Flight. I'm just kidding. He didn't make Flight. I thought he had made Flight. Robert Zemeckis made Flight. Oh. <laughs> He made, he made 2012, he made 10,000 BC, he made just other disaster movies that weren't that good. But oh, anyway. you're so right. Continue. I'm sorry. Yes. I did a paper on him in film school. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Interesting. <laughs> we had to pick directors and for some reason he was on the list of choices. And I was like, a lot of the other ones I hadn't seen the stuff that they did. Did one paper on like John Ford. <laughs> and then like another one on Roland Emmerich um, and a lot of it was me just saying <laughs> Patriot's really good <laughs> it's like talking so much great things about the Patriot not talking about a lot of his other ones okay um, so <laughs> in the interest of full disclosure this was another movie I watched in history class but I haven't seen it since history class in high school so what is the Patriot about give it to me please so the Patriot follows Mel Gibson, and, and this, obviously this is very overdramatized, but it's about a guy who uh, he starts helping out the war by being part of like the American militia, where uh, the militia was like not like official like American soldiers, like they didn't have the uniforms. They were kind of like ragtag groups who uh, a bunch of farmers and like average people who aren't necessarily like trained soldiers and they would kind of like sneak in the forest and like the fields and like take down British, uh, you know, British soldiers who were carrying uh, supplies or uh, little things like that. So they were kind of like, like guerrilla warfare type stuff. Um, but yeah, it follows um mel gibson's character who and one of his sons was played by heath ledger i know that's like the only thing i remember about that movie (laughs) yeah it uh it has some great acting um i think it has some great action um considering like you know you're limited to american revolution style stuff whether it's like fighting with swords or muskets or things like that and it's also one of those movies that like it shows that back in the day when they would fight battles like they would literally just march at each other and like shoot and it's like so absurd to watch because it's like why would they do that but it's like honor and like whatever like you fight like a gentleman like the british were always like fight like gentlemen tom wilkinson plays general cornwallis and yeah it's it's certainly uh, a film that like it's Overdramatized with a lot of a lot of dark things happening uh, with deaths to Mel Gibson's character and like his family and such, but it also has some fun moments. It has some action. It shows you like a little piece of American history where, like we said, like kind of like with with glory or uh, other things where it's not all just talking about like George Washington and the front lines and things like that, but like the little militia that would kind of like help out but weren't exactly fully trained and kind of everyday people. And it was kind of like they, there are some moments that really hit on the nose, but like, even there's this part where like Mel Gibson rides up with an an American flag and there's just kind of a little piece of you that's just like, yeah, (laughs) like it's America. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I, 
there's a lot of movies and stuff that kind of cover the American Revolution, but there's something about that one that was, was really well done. And, yeah, I think it's worth watching. Came out in 2000. Um, surprisingly, was not a movie that was up for a lot of awards or anything, but I think it did win John Williams, like, one of his many awards for, like, best film score. <laughs> so, um, if not, check it out for something like that. The Patriot. Yeah, I, um, like I said, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it was one of those that I really did enjoy in school watching, um, maybe because it had, like, little baby Heath Ledger in it. (laughs) Alright, Jess, what is another one of your American history favorites? Well, one of my favorite American history movies is one that you probably wouldn't typically think of when you think of American history movies. You might not have ever even heard of it, so it definitely wouldn't come to mind. Um, One of my favorite American history movies is Confirmation. It's an HBO movie. It came out in 2016, and it's all about the um, Anita Hill testimonies during Clarence Thomas's hearings for the Supreme Court. If you don't know much about, like, the Anita Hill hearings, you should definitely watch this movie um, because it's really fascinating. I actually did not know much at all about it before I watched it. When Dr. Christine Blasey Ford was testifying during Kavanaugh's hearings, a lot of people were comparing the situation to that of Anita Hill when she was testifying against um, Clarence Thomas. Um, And I think the similarities are there. Um, But one thing that I think this movie captures is that both parties treated Anita Hill really wrong. Um, so it's a very, very much an objective look at the situation. It's not leaning towards, you know, more pro-Democrat, more pro-Republican. It's just very straightforward. Here's what happened. And it's on the side of Anita Hill more than anything, who is really the victim in all this. Um, so it stars Kerry Washington as Anita Hill, Greg Kinnear plays Joe Biden, and then the rest of the cast is Jeffrey Wright, um, Eric Stone Street, Zoe Lister-Jones, Grace Gummer, and uh, Jennifer Hudson has a small role as the second accuser. Now what's interesting about that is a lot of people don't realize there was a second accuser against Clarence Thomas. This is in the movie, it's not a spoiler, it actually happened, you can, I don't think you can spoil something that actually happened, but, um, <laughs> but what is so interesting about this movie. Like I said, it's very objective, and it shows that both parties just screwed her over and failed a victim. Um, Look, I don't think it's a surprise that I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, I think I'm pretty open about it. And I love Joe Biden, I think he's amazing, but this movie shows how he really messed things up for Anita Hill. And he really forced her to do this. So it was Joe Biden's office that, like, dug her out, made her testify, and then, like, le- like just hung her out to dry out there. They didn't help her. They didn't support her. It was just um, a bunch of old white men questioning this, like, young black woman and making her sound like the bad guy. Um, so I think it's a, it's a really interesting part of American history, and it's not, like I said, it's not probably a movie you would think when you think about American history movies. But what is really interesting about the Anita Hill trials is that even though, unfortunately, in my opinion, um, Clarence Thomas still is on the Supreme Court, he went through just fine, um, the years that followed were a real game changer in terms of women's history. Um, So after the Anita Hill trials and 
the public saw what Congress looked like, because a, a lot of people were watching the Anita Hill trials. Again, it's very similar to the Kavanaugh hearings. A lot of people were really engaged with it at the time, and people started to realize that the Congress we have doesn't reflect our society, and it's very skewed and very warped. And so a lot of women actually started to run for office. Um, they called it the Year of the Woman. I think only, like, four women got in, but, like, for that stamp back then, that was, like, a big deal. Um, so the Anita Hill testimony, like, changed the game in terms of how we talk about sexual assault and sexual harassment too people weren't really talking about it and so it was really this that like got the ball rolling and paved the way for the things that we talk about nowadays um so if you have hbo now i highly suggest it also just for like the performances carrie washington is amazing um and it's just also really interesting if you like politics and you follow current politics, you'd see some familiar faces like Joe Biden and Orrin Hatch. Out of all my picks, this is probably like the most, the movie that takes place the most recent. It took place in 1991. Um, but, you know, it's really weird to say because we're both children of the 90s, but the 90s are now part of American history. We're old. Yeah. I'll admit I had not heard about this film until you told me about it, but um, I did watch the trailer, and yeah, I have HBO now, and uh, just not only for the situation, but also for the performances of the movie, it, it definitely looks like something that it weirdly <laughs> um, is relevant to what's going on recently. Um, so yeah, I... I'm definitely going to check it out. So if other listeners want to check it out with me, maybe in a future episode, we can talk about what we thought of it. So, Brandon, what is, <laughs> on that super fun note, um, what uh, what's another American history movie of yours? Um, so one that I want to talk about is uh, Apollo 13. That's another one I love. I like your choices. Yes. You got good choices. Well, these are like a lot of these are like not only like American films, but like ones that like maybe around this time of year when my family's getting together, like some that we can agree on. Um, Same. Apollo 13. <laughs> yeah, yes. Apollo 13. I've talked about it on the podcast before, and I think it's an incredible movie. Uh, made by Ron Howard. It came out in 1995. If you saw the movie that came out this year, and I talked about it in another episode, First Man, that's about Neil Armstrong landing on the moon for the first time in Apollo 11. Uh, but this is about uh, a couple missions later where uh, Tom Hanks' Jim Lovell character and uh, some other uh, people on his flight, uh, played by Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon, uh, Jack Swigert and uh, Fred Hayes, they were supposed to land on the moon too, but um, a malfunction happened, and basically the whole movie is about them trying to get home safely. And it's about people back on Earth, like Gary Sinise's character, who was originally supposed to be on the flight, and Ed Harris's character, uh, who's the flight commander, trying to figure out how to get them back home and like uh it's known it's not a spoiler it's known as called uh the successful failure because uh yes it was a failure they went right by the moon they did not to go they did not get to land on it but they uh were successfully going home and like i i just it's a powerful movie because they show a lot of both like these astronauts in space 
but also um, what's happening back on Earth and how like a lot of the world was watching this and like was just praying and hoping that these astronauts get home safe because like one thing that like the movie First Man with Ryan Gosling covers is like how a lot of astronauts died just testing some of this stuff. Like there was the one space mission where they were just supposed to kind of practice like I think getting um, near the moon or something and like they got trapped and there was a fire um, which like they cover in this movie as well. Like there was a lot of astronauts who died just to get to the point where like Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. So yeah, it, it's a movie that has incredible acting. It was nominated for a ton of awards for acting and best picture. And I think it's uh, an incredible movie. And I think it also is a movie about like the human spirit and persevering and pushing through. And yeah, it's a great movie. Like you said, it's a movie that like my whole family can all agree on that we all love. So it's great. Um, but I will say I have a question and comment. Sure. For me, I feel like I love this movie so much and it's such a great movie that it has ruined pretty much every space movie for me. <laughs> like... Do you feel the same way? Because when I saw the trailer for First Man, literally all I thought was, you know what? I'm just going to watch Apollo 13 instead. Like, I'm good. Well, I mean, I think what this movie did was, like, they took... Like, it's actually... Like, every film, obviously, is, like, kind of designated with the genre. And, like, this is actually called a docudrama, which, like, I never heard that genre before. Because, like, it's not a documentary. Like, it, it it's... It's actors and it's not um them just telling the story but it's them acting out the story but they try to do it for the most part as accurate as possible from the uh, production design and things like that um which i do feel that first man also followed along suit um but it's definitely a different feel uh First Man may not be a movie you want to watch with the whole family just because it's a little bit colder as far as emotion goes. But, like, this one um, is definitely more, like you said, for, like, uh, a feel-good family film um, that also has, like, some thrilling sequences and great acting and cool special effects and such. Random sidebar, didn't Ron Howard cast his own mother as one of the astronauts' moms? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she plays... Tom Hanks's character's mom. Okay. Yeah, it was just like one of those th like fun like movie facts that like whenever like we're watching it with a, like my family or whenever I'm yes. watching someone turns over and goes, you know that's Ron Howard's mom, right? Yeah, and then like the other uh, Ron Howard always casts his brother. His brother's for in there cameos, too. Yeah, and he's uh, on the flight crew and like you know that's Ron Howard's brother. Yeah, you know? so he's in a bunch of his listeners, <laughs> if you're watching this movie with your family this year, you can be that person to sound really knowledgeable. You can be like. Hey, you know that's Ron Howard's mother. And your family will be yeah. like, oh my god, no, I didn't know that. You're so smart. Yeah. Yeah. And like she even has like the one joke in the film where for some reason they have like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin try to distract Jim Lovell's mom, who's like obviously wants to watch the TV and what's happening to her son, Tom Hanks' character. And like uh she's just like um, have you two ever been to space? And, like, obviously, like, they're the ones who landed on the moon first. So it's just fun little jokes like that. But, like, yeah. Um, very, very interesting. That's such a good one. That's one, like, I think I will actually watch on Thanksgiving with my family. <laughs> Definitely. So, Jess, uh, what is one of your 
other favorites as we're getting ready to wrap up soon here? Yeah, so one of my favorite ones uh, is very recently, it was made last year. It's probably like actually one of my favorite movies of the past couple of years, um, and that is Detroit. So that was uh, released last year, 2017, and it's directed by my queen, Catherine Bigelow. Um, and it takes place during the Detroit riots in 1967. And I don't know why, but for some reason, this movie was really, like, I don't kind of forgotten about. Like, it came out, it, it was amazing. I think all the pieces of it are fantastic, but, like, it was just steamrolled over the award seasons. Like, it didn't get anything, I don't think. And... I don't think a lot of people talk about it as much either, and I don't understand why, because it's a fantastic movie. Um, so it is about... It's So it's interesting, because it's not really about the riots in Detroit. Those riots are the backdrop of the story, and it's basically about a group of civilians at a motel in Detroit that are essentially held hostage by police officers. Um, the cast is amazing. I think that a lot of these actors should have gotten some recognition for their performances. Uh, the cast includes Anthony Mackie, John Boyega, Samira Wiley, who's on Handmaid's Tale and Orange is the New Black. Um, Hannah Murray, who plays Jilly on Game of Thrones, is in there too. Um, John Krasinski has a really small role. It's just like a really well done, suspenseful movie that's just kind of about how there has been an issue with cops and civilians for a very long time and how this is not really a new issue, but also about how like not every cop is bad and not every civilian is good. And there's a lot of gray areas. So there are a couple bad cops in this movie that definitely abuse their power and it feels like the cops are handling the situation because they're like taking out their frustrations on like having to deal with these riots and that the civilians like their behavior and their you know actions aren't necessarily criminal the moral implications are kind of up in the air but like it's just about how when put in very tense situations all bets are off and it doesn't matter like what your role is whether you're a cop or a civilian like you can lose it and you can like she like let go of it or you can rise up to the occasion and be a good person and do the right thing and it shows kind of both sides of that spectrum um so it's just it's interesting and I think the the motel situation, by all accounts, actually did happen. It's just like a small sliver of the many stories that happened in riots. Um, just kind of one of those that blip under the radars. So it's a very intense movie, but one that I think is incredible. Um, if you like uh, Catherine Bigelow, like I do, um, and if you like just just movies about American history that aren't really talked about too much, then this one is a really good one. So yeah, Jess, I will admit um, I never got around to seeing Detroit, but I remember that looking uh, amazing with all the all the actors involved, but also like Catherine Bigelow. I mean, she got Best Director for Hurt Locker, so obviously she's been known for making incredible films in her career. Um, so yeah, Detroit, I have not seen yet. Uh, maybe it's on Crackle and I can <laughs> go find it there. <laughs> 
It's not on Crackle, but it is on Hulu. This it episode is, is brought to you by Hulu. <laughs> you need to give me your Hulu password. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a couple honorable mentions that I want to say here. An older film, The Great Escape. Um, I it, it has a couple American actors uh, uh portraying the soldiers some may be british or australian or american whatever in the film but uh it's another something that we kind of said like it's a different side of the war it's about a prisoner of war situation and them trying to escape uh great escape it's a classic considered one of the best films and i always enjoyed hearing that it's one of quentin tarantino's favorite films so it was like yeah, we got similar favorite films. Um, <laughs> and another film that was pretty recent that I feel like was very underrated that kind of like glossed by um, was 42. Um, this was about uh, Jackie Robinson, obviously being the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. And uh, it's really great film for Chadwick Boseman's performance uh harrison ford's in it as well it's kind of like the kind of crotchety old white guy who's like we gotta get him because he's a good player uh he does like a little voice uh harrison ford um you could tell was trying to go for something a little different um i think it's an incredible film showing uh how jackie robinson was obviously uh historical by being one of the first african-american players in baseball but also was an amazing player. Like he wasn't just picked because like they needed someone, um, but like he's an incredible player. Jess, do you have some honorable mentions you want to uh, give a shout out to? I have a lot of honorable mentions. So strap in, take notes, watch all these movies. They're <laughs> amazing. Strap in. Okay, we got Twelve Years a Slave, Lincoln, Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty. Two more Catherine Bigelow movies that are amazing, especially Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> It is on my top 10 favorite movies of all time, and it's got my second queen in it, Jessica Chastain. Anyway, continue. <laughs> the Big Short. B the Big Short's amazing. If you don't know anything about the housing crisis, because we were like kind of babies when it happened, it will teach you all you need to know. So The Big Short. Wait, babies in 08? <laughs> basically babies. Yeah. Oh, wait, was it 08? I thought it was like 06. Well, like, okay, so 06, 08, we were in... Babies, teenagers we were in college, are like grown or not college. Adults. We were in high school. I was, you know. I was a freshman in high school. I was a baby. I'm sorry. I was not aware of the world. I was not a, a mature young woman at 14. Okay. Are you kidding me? I was a baby. Do you? Could you relate what happened during the housing crisis? Were I you a mature I adult man? Now. Exactly. Watch the big short, and you'll be able but to that's write also reports. That's exactly why I don't want to own a home. Because you don't really own it. <laughs> I know. Like, our generation is getting, like, shat on for, like, not owning houses. And it's like, y'all, I saw you freak out when I was a baby. And it didn't look yeah. fun. And I don't want to go through that. Like, anyway. Continuing on. <laughs> America. Continuing on. Selma, Milk, The Purge, Spotlight, Titanic, and Remember the, the Titans. Okay, yeah, I threw that in there. I was hoping you'd... I was wondering if you'd, like, notice. <laughs> Is there any other honorable mentions, Jess? No, that's a long enough list. I think every... Again, take notes, see them all. Re like, you know, rewind and make sure you see all of them. Because they're good. <laughs> So, Brandon, 
London, America. It's kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of bad. It's a little, it's the melting pot of good and bad and great and whatever. It's good, um, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, I hope this episode wasn't too boring. I know sometimes history is not like the most exciting topic, but I think that there's some really good movies that makes it exciting. Um, maybe watch one of them with your family on Thanksgiving. Yes. What are, uh, listeners, what are some of your favorite uh, movies that take place during American history? What did we miss? What do you think? Uh, please leave a comment or uh, reach out to us on social media. Speaking of social media, Jess, where can they find you on the social medias? On Instagram or Twitter, I can be found at, at Jess Quaz. I can be found on Instagram or Twitter at The Pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E. And uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Jess, we have a contest. We have a contest. So don't forget, if you blast us out and tag us on either Twitter or Facebook, you will be entered to win 20 whole dollars to Amazon. And you can even sweeten the deal even more and hop on and rate and review us and then be entered to win a $30 Amazon gift card. So that is 50 whole dollars up for grabs. Wow. Money. 50 bucks. Free that's money. Like, yeah, that's like five Funko Pops. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Buy yourself a nice holiday gift. You know, after you survive the holidays with your family and spend a bunch of money on other people, you can get yourself a gift courtesy of your family over at Entertainment Buffet. Exactly. When you're around that family member you don't really like too much and you really feel like purging, but you don't, well, go ahead and purge yourself with some purchases on Amazon, courtesy of Entertainment Buffet Podcast. This episode is brought to you by The Purge. <laughs> brought to you by Crackle, Hulu, and The Purge. We have so franchise. many big sponsors now. Yes. Uh, yes, so please check us, uh, out on social medias for those shoutouts and such, and episode 63 is when we're going to announce the winner, so you have until December, did we say that? 20th. 20th. You have until December 20th to do so, to be entered into those raffles for those two different gift cards, and you can possibly win both, so why not enter both? Um, yes, uh, so I also want to give a quick shout-out to, uh, the comic book that uh, Joe Mangles and I have been working on. It is available in four comic book shops at the moment in Chicago, and we're looking to do some more. So if you're in the Chicago area, uh, please check out Flintlocked. Issue 1 can be found at Alley Cat Comics, Chicago Comics uh, near Belmont and Clark, and the two locations uh, in the south side of Chicago known as First Aid Comics. Two different locations. You can find out all that information on flintlockedcomic.com. Um, and we also have a Facebook and an Instagram you can check out there as well. As we usually say every episode, please rate, review, subscribe. Not only because that would be awesome, but because of that contest. I'm excited for this contest, Jess. Like, I, I wish I could be eligible. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, you know, I love holidays. I love giving gifts. And what better way to celebrate the holidays than to give our listeners gifts? Absolutely. Uh, friends of the show, please check out the movie trailer Trash Podcast hosted by Charlie and Bethany Duber. 
Um, they're not only friends of mine that I've been on a couple episodes, but also it's a podcast that I genuinely listen to. Uh, also check out the Shelved Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Meyer. I've been on that one as well and looking to be on it again. So uh, those shows are awesome. Check them out when you're done listening to our episode. Download them as well. Uh, show some love. Uh, but yeah, Jess, any big fun Thanksgiving plans for yourself? I'm going to be cooking some really good food today. I'm going to be making stuffing, green bean casserole, and because I'm quirky, I don't like turkey, so I'm going to be making ham. That's what happens when you put I don't like turkey either, and I love ham. Ham's the best, right? Like Ham is the best. Ham is the best, and turkey is just very okay, you know? It's not bad, but it's not amazing. The only time I like turkey is when it's like doused in gravy, and you can barely even taste the turkey, because <laughs> turkey's very bland. So Yeah. I'm in charge of the food. I'm going to go with a holiday ham. Who doesn't love a good ham? I like us vegetarians, exactly. but whatever. Um, it's all about the ham and the apple slash pumpkin pie. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be playing Betty Crocker this year and going hard with the food. Um, and then probably watching one of these American history movies we talked about. Because, like, after talking about them, I want to watch and revisit and learn more things. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening, and um, we hope to hear from you soon with those shout-outs for this contest, and happy holidays, and happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you survived your family okay. Yay. <laughs>